0: Hi, I'm Kim Bu. Welcome to Vietnola, the show about being Vietnamese in New Orleans, coming to you from Pho Nui Viet restaurant located at 2005 Magazine Street in the Lower Garden District. Xin chào New Orleans từ nhà Magazine ở quận Garden. Today on the show, we have some wisdom, some Vietnamese etiquette, and a conversation with our guests on Gotro. Having grown up in New Orleans East after a long journey over the high seas in a boat from Vietnam, Anh eventually left her new homeland of New Orleans and spent 14 years in Baton Rouge and North Dallas, respectively. Since then, she and her husband decided to return home to New Orleans where she works as an accountant at Operation Comeback, a nonprofit focused on the rehabilitation of historic homes. Today, she joins us to talk about life in the East where she continues to spend every day eating, visiting with family, or going to church. Hi, An. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Great. I'm excited to have you on the show because I think you're the first person we've had that I've really kind of cornered just to tell me, a newcomer to the Vietnamese community in New Orleans, what it's like to not only grow up here, but have a family here and raise kids here and get them eating Vietnamese food, maybe speaking a little bit. Just a little. Just a little. So tell us a little bit about your journey back home. So you said you came, you first came to New Orleans when?
1: Um, I think I was
0: three when we came to New Orleans. So this is like in the late 70s. Mm-hmm. And where did your family come from in Vietnam?
1: Um, a little area called Phu Thing, which is like um, south of, I guess it's, it's a coastal um, village uh, near Vung Tau.
0: Okay, in the south. And what did your folks do in Vietnam?
1: My dad was a um, shrimper.
0: Okay. Is he, is he a shrimper here as well?
1: Um, he used to. He's retired now.
0: Uh-huh. And that's definitely a community we haven't had on the show yet. The shrimping and the, the seafood community of Vietnam. So in New Orleans, where did you grow up?
1: Um, out in New Orleans.
0: Uh-huh. And where did your father go to do shrimping?
1: Um, he usually goes out to like the Germanian Bay.
0: How um, far is that from here?
1: That's probably a good two and a half, three hours. uh uh-huh. And that's um, right outside of um, Lafayette.
0: Wow. So he came home every day or every few days, I no, guess? No,
1: usually he goes out for like two weeks. Okay. Um, but that's like later on in, in his um, shrimping career. But early on, he used to shrimp out of um, Biloxi.
0: Uh-huh. And he would, come, he would go for two weeks at a time cool. and come home to mm-hmm. New Orleans East. Right. So in all that time, I mean... From what I understand, the, that's pretty much where you would do that kind of commercial, uh, small-level commercial fishing, but he, he decided to create New Orleans East as y- y'all's home. Is that well, correct?
1: Well, I think it um, helped out a, a lot. Like There was a lot of um, immigrants um, from his village also that um, migrated into that area, so
0: it was a lot of people that he knew he grew up with. Um, How many people in this village in Vietnam came over here
1: i mean qu- there's quite a bit uh, um you know fortunately the the, the neighborhood out in new orleans is predominantly from the same village Most interesting people, yeah
0: and wh- what's the name of the village um they it's called village de Les but um no in I- the village in vietnam oh what is it? it's or uh footing uh-huh yeah about how many people lived in that village in vietnam i can't really tell yeah, but it's a small village, mm-hmm. and so most of the folks in New Orleans East are from Phuket. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. That's funny, huh? <laughs> How we all end up where we end up. Um, I, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> are they and so in Vietnam were they Catholic as well? Uh, yes. You? Okay. Mm-hmm. There is a chur- There was a Catholic church there, or in
1: Vietnam? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's actually my grandfather lives right next to the church.
0: Oh, interesting. So, yeah. In Vietnam currently. Mm-hmm. And so continue the story, you came here when you are three, your father is a shrimper mm-hmm. and retired probably recently if I'm guessing correctly. Um,
1: I think he r- retired right after Katrina.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The Vietnamese men don't like to retire until they <laughs> really have to. Yeah, you're <laughs> right about that. <laughs> and you grew up pretty much in the East, correct? Mm-hmm. Did you stay in New Orleans for college, or did you go? Actually, um, I started um, in Maryland okay. um,
1: for a year or two, and then I ended up moving back um, down to Baton Rouge for y- college. You
0: missed the South? Yeah, there's nothing like it. <laughs> <laughs> and your husband's from New Orleans as well? He is. Is he Vietnamese? No, he's, he's American. He's adopted yeah. Vietnamese.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, Believe me, he'll, he'll love to brag about being the first ones out there for the um, Tet Festival. <laughs> And how, how's his thing yet? Um, It's not so good, but he has a, probably has a bad teacher, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> not true, not true. No, it
1: totally as My family would be the first to vouch and say that, you know, I sound like a Vietnamese airhead, <laughs> but <laughs>
0: I give by. What can you do? We grew up here, right? I know. So, and your mom, did she work as well, or? She did. Mm-hmm. She used to be the housekeeper for
1: the, the Japanese councilors. Um, so she worked there for
0: probably a good 15 years. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And how many, you have a big family of siblings? I, I do. Maybe my parents had seven kids. Uh-huh. So there's quite a few of us. And how many of them were born here in the States? Um, just one. Just one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how old is that youngest? Uh, He's, she's maybe three now. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wait, he's three? 30 no. 33. 33. Yeah. yeah. Oh, goodness. <laughs> <No>. I'm busy. <laughs> I sure hope not. <laughs> so you met your husband in college in New Orleans? Um, oh or? Yeah,
1: in New Orleans. I mean, we grew up fairly close um, mm-hmm. to each other, so we knew mutual, mutual friends.
0: In the East. So he grew up in New Orleans mm-hmm. East. You did. Interesting. I mean, I guess, you know, it's hard for me to understand the demography of New Orleans East outside of the Vietnamese community, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I definitely know, you know, there's definitely neighborhoods that are more famous than not mm-hmm. um, in New Orleans for, you know, high crime or whatever. And then there's the Vietnamese community. Mm-hmm. And then I just, Well, it's you know, kind of crazy
1: because like back in the 80s, um, it was totally different, you know. And, and I think the draw was that a lot of people were trying to move out. Of the city, basically into the suburbs, and that's where people flocked to. It was either that or Metairie, so uh-huh. it was just a totally different um, New Orleans East as you see today, uh-huh. right? which is kind of you
0: know, it's it's kind of, I mean that's that's just home, you know. Right. So despite all the changes, you know, I, I know a lot of commercial amenities were wiped out by Katrina. Oh yeah, absolutely. heavy flooding. Uh, a lot of jobs,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, you still go there every day. I mean, you don't live in the East, do you?
1: Oh, I do. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, my Um, goodness. You
0: commute every day.
1: Mm -hmm. It's not that bad. (laughs) Like, compared (laughs) to Dallas traffic, it's not bad at all. Wow, so so y'all
0: still live, where in the East do you live? Uh, We live
1: in a village. Oh, wow. Same house I grew up in, you know. Uh Uh-huh. It's a duplex, so we live on the other side of the duplex. And your
0: folks live on the other side. Mm -hmm. You are such a Nguyen Vietnamese girl. Uh, as, as I don't they know, say. I don't know if they would <laughs> say that. <laughs> <laughs> my parents. Why does everyone have to live so far away? Yeah. You know. Well, the thing is, I mean, we did
1: live away for like 14 years, so it was time to come home mm-hmm. and touch base a little bit. You know. Uh huh. I mean, it's kind of nice for the kids to be around my grand or their granddad. You uh-huh. know.
0: How is it for them? How do they like growing up in that very? A strong Vietnamese community. Um, they probably don't even know what they.
1: They don't know any different. Right. You know, to them it's like, okay, this is where we live.
0: How long have you all lived in the East since you came back? Um, probably four years now. Uh-huh. And your children are what ages? Um, the oldest is eighteen, and we have a eight
1: and a nine year old. Mm-hmm. So there's three of them.
0: And how is their Vietnamese?
1: They know how to say I'm hungry <laughs> and, you know, it's funny because the catchphrase is like which means let's go take a bath, you mm-hmm. know, or mm-hmm. let's go eat,
0: I'm gone, you know, uh-huh. so they know just the basic, the bare basics, you know. Has it changed since you moved back home with the grandparents <laughs> the next door?
1: I do think they probably understand more than they actually can speak. It's, it's kind of intimidating. Uh-huh. It's such an intimidating language to learn, I mean. A lot of, a lot of tones. Right. And, and like, you know, just a slight, you know, difference in inflection, you can totally be insulting somebody, you know, without (laughs) meaning. it. So I think that's why even my husband is kind of like timid when it comes to like learning it. It's like, wait, I don't want to insult
0: anybody, you know? Right, right. So they, when I grew up in Southern California, uh, I, I grew up Buddhist, but Mm -hmm. my folks sent me to the local church to get Vietnamese lessons. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it was like 40 of us getting Vietnamese lessons and like saying the Pledge of Allegiance in Vietnamese. They did an excellent job with
1: it. No, either that or you're an excellent student. Because the is thing is terrible. No, it sounds great. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Reading is easy. T- <laughs> Speaking <laughs> when you're actually spoken to by an elder and you're like not even sure which pronoun you should use. <laughs> That's so bad, but do they have that kind of, uh, you know, central hub in the east? Is, that, they is do. do the, um, the
1: church usually have like um, they have Catholic um, or Sunday school, and they also teach Vietnamese classes over there too. So mm-hmm. They
0: do. Are you a member of that church? Um, we used
1: to. Um, I mean that that was a church that we were married in actually. Uh-huh. So um, but you tell our
0: th- listeners what
1: church we're we're all referring to. Oh, here um, here. Mary Queen of Vietnam. Uh-huh. But um, since we came back from the storm, um, we just went back to my husband's church, which is Resurrection.
0: Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, we go back and forth. Mm-hmm. Now, for our listeners who aren't familiar, Mary, Queen of Vietnam, especially after the storm, was very active mm-hmm. in organizing uh, for the rights of the Vietnamese community. They mm-hmm. were quite effective in organizing protests when there was a proposal to dump all the debris of this side of the of the industrial canal over in New Orleans East. Do you do you remember those events. Were were you here after Katrina? I wasn't
1: here after Katrina. Um, We were still living out in Dallas, but I can remember, you know, the buses coming in, and I mean, my dad took part of it also, Mm -hmm. like, you know, doing the protests and everything, which is, you know, it's kind of good in the sense that something like that did happen, because all of a sudden, after the storm, the Vietnamese community had a stronger voice, basically. Everybody was just like, like, you know, people actually listen if you protest, or, you know, if you... Gather together and just speak your opinion, people do listen. So Absolutely. It's, it's pretty interesting that all of a sudden, because I mean, growing up in New Orleans it's, it's kind of like everybody just kind of did their thing. They went to work, they kind of kept to themselves, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think since the storm, it kind of gave them a new, I don't know, rejuvenation, I guess. So.
0: Understanding, I think, of their role in New Orleans in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely know outsiders to that neighborhood who. Have said very candidly, you know, it's been a very mysterious community. You Mm -hmm. know, everyone knows that there is a strong Vietnamese community, but not until the storm did they realize how self-sufficient folks were out there. Oh yeah, and also how well folks can organize out Mm -hmm. there, um, and it really put, I think, Village de Lest or Versailles on Mm -hmm. the radar of a lot of people in New Orleans and in and in America as well. Right. I think it, it helped out a whole lot because
1: I think um, right after the storm, I mean, being Vietnamese and, and they're so family oriented, it was probably one of the first neighborhoods that actually came back and rebuilt. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. Once the, um, once it was okay to come back home, basically everybody just kind of, you know, worked at one house at a time. Right. You know, I can remember coming back for Thanksgiving and literally, I mean, us, you know, Living in North Dallas, everything's just pristine and, you know, cookie-cutter houses. And coming back, literally, my dad had a barbecue pit in the front yard, and we had Thanksgiving lunch um, in front of the house. <laughs> and there was, like, this huge trash, you know, pile right next to the table. And it's like, well, you just make that. I mean, right. this is what you do. I mean, Thanksgiving, you come home to see family, so that's what we did. <laughs> right. <laughs> Even though there's like a big trash pile of debris,
0: <laughs> uh, we had a guest on our first show maybe a month or six weeks ago, maybe who is a public health is a public health professor at Tulane, mm-hmm. and was doing some public health studies on Vietnamese people in Vietnam and Vietnamese Americans, and it just so happened he had had collected data before the storm and mm-hmm. then continued to collect data after the storm and he remarked on uh, the amazing tolerance of the Vietnamese American community for uh, distress, you know, and that uh, the depression levels were s- like significantly in the 90s percent lower than uh, non-Vietnamese American level, mm-hmm. uh, non-Vietnamese, the, the levels of non-Vietnamese Americans in New Orleans post-Katrina. Did you feel like your parents were stoic during that time? What what was your sense of their, their sense of existence after Katrina? Um, I think for us,
1: you know, my mom actually passed away right before Katrina hit. Oh, We literally buried her that Saturday before the storm hit. So we did not know there was a hurricane in the Gulf at all i mean we didn't know until like we came home from the funeral and it was like wait a second what's going on what is this evacuation thing the funeral was where um it was in new orleans also. okay yeah wow so literally i mean but for us on a personal family level i mean it was kind of it was i guess it was a blessing because we were able to kind of be forced to be together you mm-hmm. know, once again, and basically our whole family, you know, we, we evacuated um, to Lafayette together mm-hmm. as a family. So, uh-huh. you no, know, and then afterwards, um, after the storm hit and all and everything kind of calmed down a little bit, we just had everybody come up to Dallas to be with us. So uh-huh. literally we had like about 30 people in our house and we have... I don't know, 1,800 square feet in a row. Oh, my goodness. So everybody was everywhere. I can still remember coming home. I mean, Texas heat is just brutal. But coming home, just looking at my household, like, oh, my gosh, there's (laughs) 30, literally 30 people in the house. And, you know, that's just what you do. Being (laughs)
0: refugees. (laughs) Totally, once again. (laughs) kind of get used
1: to so and that's, and that's the whole thing, because I think a lot of people, I mean, coming back, you know, with the house being completely decimated, they came from nothing. Mm-hmm, so to mm-hmm. them, it's like, look, we, we've done it once before, so right. we can do it again. You know, this is nothing. <laughs> it's a
0: storm. <laughs> no biggie. There's <laughs> just some wind. I mean, I what's especially interesting is the way I know you is that through your profession, you do accounting work mm-hmm. for a place that gets federal funds to rebuild historic homes, you know, federal funds for a Vietnamese American family, you know, right. unheard of or kind of like, oh, I got this kind of situation. What do your folks think about your job?
1: I mean, do they get what you do? They don't really. I mean, it's, it's kind of funny because, I mean, there's really not a lot of, well, maybe it's different now because we have like this huge influx of nonprofits in the world in general. Mm-hmm. But... For me, you know, moving back and, and working for a nonprofit, it was just totally, un- you know, let's put it this way, I'm the first in my whole entire family to work for a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. It's like, wait a second, what do Why you mean by non Why would you non-profit? bother? Right, right. It's right. kind of like like, you don't really get paid all that well. <laughs> <laughs> you work long hours, you know? So it's kind of like, well, what's, what's the intriguing thing about this? <laughs>
0: They're like, that's cute. Now, when are you gonna get a real job? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly.
1: (laughs) And like, what? Close to five years later. Like, like, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's completely, it draws you in, you know. And then, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think for us, I mean, it's the perfect job for me, basically. You know, moving back, I wanted to work at a place that. Kind of would be in for <coughs> or would help out the city, mm-hmm. and I think with a group like you know the Preservation Resource Center, I mean they're such an old established group that you know I think they've had their hands in so
0: many different things in so many different levels. So. Right. So it was a great entree into the kind of work that you thought would be useful, anyhow. Great. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know,
1: I I wanted to do something different, you know, rather than just your typical accounting job. And is that what you
0: were doing in North Dallas? Yeah. Okay. I did notice that you have spent some time as a licensed (laughs) cosmetologist. Very Vietnamese. <laughs> <laughs> that or a nail salon. I know. Totally, <laughs> totally Vietnamese. Well,
1: you know what happened? I think, you know, going, I think I started, okay, first of all, you, you know the age thing when, you know, migrating or being immigrants, everybody has a real age and a fake age. <laughs> so, <laughs> I graduated from high school when I was like 16 going on 17. So, I just went plunged straight into okay. college. And so, like everybody because else, nobody has papers. Exactly. <laughs> no, I just went to the doctor just recently. <laughs> and
0: so they whatever your parents want you to be in. They just lie about your age, like we're smaller in general. Well
1: no, well actually our story is that my uncle was the only one that spoke a little bit of English, so when he went to go (laughs) do paperwork for everyone, he just randomly assigned numbers to everyone. (laughs) Like like you're, you know, this is going to be your birthday. So, anyway, I, oh, oh, I was at the doctor's just recently, and so she was asking me about my age, you know, and I was like, yeah, I just turned 39, in, mm-hmm. um, you know, yesterday, which was a couple of days ago. But anyway, when she looked at my file, it says it's November 6th, and, I was, and she was wondering, she's like, wait a second, you just told me your birthday was yesterday. <laughs> You know, and so, well, yeah, let it's me get into the story. <laughs> let me tell you about that.
0: Or <laughs> right, it's kind of like my name, my legal name is Vu Dinh, mm-hmm. because when my father came here, you know, the way you say your name in Vietnamese is you say your last name, your middle name, your first name, mm-hmm. which is what he did. So they took it as his last name being his last name and his first and his middle name. And he didn't bother changing it because he's like, well, I'm going back. He came here f- to study. He mm-hmm. was doing research. It's like, I'm going back. It doesn't matter what people think my name is here, you right. know? And then he didn't go back, so... So, on, I mean, I went by Kim Vu until high school when all our paperwork was Vu in mm-hmm. and applying to college. I just decided to just use that just to make it less complicated. That's a know? cool name. It's, mm-hmm. But it's not really my last name. <laughs> you know? It's too difficult to explain to people, so just... Just go go with it. (laughs) Right,
1: that's when you just go, yeah, you know, I don't know, just, just, you're right, just go with it. It's so much easier.
0: Speaking of other uh, funny Vietnamese phenomenons, we have a segment each week about Vietnamese etiquette we call Vietiquette. Uh, And I always like to ask the guests something they think is kind of funny about growing up really as a Vietnamese American more than a Vietnamese person Mm -hmm. um, still living in Vietnam. And you raised some, uh, an interesting an interesting cultural phenomenon, shall we say. Um, I think last week was funny. We had uh, also a young Vietnamese New Orleanian who grew up here. And she pointed out how funny it is <laughs> that you know at social gatherings for our parents' generation, there is an instant segregation by gender of socialization. So the women will be in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And the men will be, you know, in the living room smoking cigarettes or what have you. Mm-hmm. And our co, our usual, uh, we usually have a co-host, Al, uh, my friend and a fellow musician, much more accomplished of a musician. But and he said that would be torture for him because he always loves cooking. And mm-hmm. I said you would get some looks <laughs> if you decided to hang out.
1: Well, I, I think it's funny because, like, you know, growing up in, in New Orleans the churches used to be like that too so Mm -hmm. like when you go into the church you know you have your I guess on the left hand side is where all the females were sitting and the right hand side will be where the males sit and so I think perhaps maybe 15 years ago all of a sudden you had like this intermixing or intermingling of the sexes you know Mm -hmm. and it's kind of weird in a sense because I can clearly see like the elders were still on their respectful side, you know? Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, like we can't so mix this up. This <laughs> is where we
0: need to sit. There in. are rules.
1: Exactly. There's <laughs> protocols you've right. got to stick
0: with. <laughs> um, I, I think the, the, the issue you raised, uh, the etiquette of the way uh, elders, or actually anyone, right. will affectionately laugh at a foreigner trying to speak Vietnamese. Why don't you share mm-hmm. your experience?
1: Well I think it's it's just, you know, I'm um listen to my husband, you know, that's that's one of the I guess, if you can call it excuse that he would use that um it's hard for him to learn a language <laughs> when he goes and try to test it out on people. They're sitting there giggling, you know. And it's like, Well, how am I supposed to take this? Am I insulting them or am I <laughs> it's
0: a Vietnamese way of encouraging people.
1: Right. It's kinda of like look, it's you know, I, I guess in certain other cultures, it's like they do something totally different from what
0: we're accustomed to. Right, they're maybe more nurturing in a, a con- more conventional way, perhaps. Right, yeah.
1: well, it's, it's funny, because like now that you know we're talking about this, it kind of made me remember when I first went back to Vietnam to visit. Mm-hmm. One thing that was just so completely different, you know, because- Now, when I, was that? Um, it was back in 94. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, personally, the one thing that really got me was or not really got me, but I felt slightly uncomfortable was that, um,
0: I guess in the U, growing up in the U.S., you have your- They point out the words you use. Right.
1: Yeah. Right? It's, yeah, yeah, it's just like you're just sitting there going, well, it, and not only that, they, they refer to you as uh what is that v- you Vigil. Vigil, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, okay, I know I am, but you know, I guess back in '94 there wasn't really a lot of visitors.
0: Right. So maybe we were one of the first few. That was pretty early on, you know. 1990 really is when they officially let Vietnamese Americans. Oh wow! So
1: that was yeah. really early on.
0: Mm-hmm. I know. I listen
1: to people's stories now. It's like, oh yeah, well, we were over so there. It was so much fun. It's like that wasn't what I remember because <laughs> it was pretty brutal. <laughs> right. It and was I'm nice and dusty and. Right. You know. right. <laughs>
0: I spent a year there in 1999 <laughs> with the first uh, exchange program through a university. It was mm-hmm. through the University of California. Mm-hmm. and I spent a year there. And even then, you know, they were quick to point out like that some of the words I was using were very anachronistic and they would laugh and say, I haven't heard that word since maybe the 70s. And I'm like, well, I mean, <laughs> do funny. the math. It makes <laughs> sense. Like, exactly. <laughs> my parents left. Haven't been able to have any real contact with the country. Right. I mean, we didn't they didn't get the memo on the hip new way to say hospital, you know? <laughs> <laughs> We're still saying hospital. <laughs> right. We're still, well, well, I think it's funny because when I literally thought about what the translation means, mm-hmm. right? it's like the house of caring right you know and then in vietnam people will say bang Vien, which means place for sick people oh, you know i guess that would make I more sense i know i mean like we accept the words because we grew up with them right but i guess it is kind of charming an old world to call a hospital the house of caring you
1: know. But I guess, I guess for us growing up in the U.S., coming back, you would think, oh, yeah, they're more worldly or, you know, they're more hip, because right, they right, know, because right. they're, they're from the U.S., but for us to use <gasps> the old language, right. you know, it's so, like, I was, I
0: mean, you sound like a middle-aged person, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, that's where, where I learned it from. Think, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, speaking of language, I also like to bring a kazao, or a proverb. We call it Kim's Kazao, and it is less confusing than Confucius, <laughs> and more fun than a fortune There cookie. Hey, yeah, <laughs> and this one's more like a saying, and it kind of is consistent with what we're talking about, about kind of tough love compliments in the Vietnamese culture, <laughs> and it, the, the saying is, An Khoia Ni Voi. And uh, it was almost cued in when I said that because our food came. <laughs> it looks delicious. Yeah. Huh? And koya new bai is translated literally in eating as healthy as an elephant. <laughs> I mean, how is that a compliment, you know? But I mean, people will say things like that, like, Oh, it's good to be fat because that means you're healthy, and they really kind of don't mean it, right. but they want to be complimentary.
1: Right? About
0: something. <laughs> did you grow up with a lot of proverbs in your household?
1: Um, I mean, if I did, I I I didn't put it in the register.
0: Right, right. <laughs> I almost I felt like I almost encountered it almost exclusively when I lived there. Mm-hmm. It's very much a thing that still. People still talk in riddles. Mm -hmm. I felt like, but here I don't know. Maybe it's because we're our parents felt forced to be more Americanized, or I don't know why. But
1: I think I think at least with my parents, I mean, you know, when they use those proverbs and stuff, we Mm -hmm. just kind of have like this blanks there. Right. So they give up. So they're just like, wait, you know, maybe I need to translate this for them because it's not really
0: possible though. It's like four words, and you have to. It takes like. 10 minutes to explain what it (laughs) means (laughs) can you just use like the regular words or maybe you can use like maybe three (laughs) or growing up did you ever just say to your parents i don't know i don't understand you You know yeah
1: and and you know what uh, in looking back now i'm kind of glad because i can remember at one point my mom basically telling us like you can't you know you you can't speak English in the household, you need to speak in Vietnamese, uh so she was really, you know, firm about that, Mm -hmm. which, looking back now, I think that was really good, because, you know, we basically, I mean, there's plenty of time or places to learn English, because you get at school and Mm -hmm. everywhere else, but it kind of, kind of forces, you know, us to learn the language, or at least just to speak it, so, you know, I can kind of see, you know, why she did it. But growing up we were just like, Are you kidding me? Why like, we are you live in America Mom. Exactly. So I'm like, Why are you making me learn a language I had cared nothing about? Right. You know, and right. I can't go out in the streets
0: and just talk to anybody. Right. right. So <laughs> I know. I think it's also good as I've gotten older I feel like having grown up, um, you know, my parents spoke English to us a lot because they were worried about, you know, us becoming accepted mm-hmm. uh, but my grandmother lived with us and she didn't speak a word and and really didn't to the day she died mm-hmm. even though she spent the majority of her life in this country by mm-hmm. that time um, but I always feel grateful because I feel like it helps me learn to think in a completely different language you know the way the Vietnamese language and any language there's always different structures that are different from English and it gives you a sense of people's mindsets I right. think Um, but you know again i think it's like one thing that we both get as we get older because you get a chance to look back and then some of us decide to move back home to new orleans east (laughs) Uh, well why don't you uh, describe for our listeners um, the plates that were just brought to us and then we can end our show and eat it and (laughs) but i'd love to share Uh, i'd love everyone to hear what a beautiful dish what beautiful dishes have been brought to us? I think it looks like um, lemongrass chicken with uh, rice, a typical gum and like a dia gum, mm-hmm. like a, a lunch plate that's pretty typical. And, right. Yeah, and there's some mushrooms, some green, some chopped green onions, all here at Fun. or be They're always very sweet. They always do some nice home cooking for us every week. Awesome. It looks awesome. Yeah. Um, I'd like to thank you so much for coming on the show I and sharing, sharing what it's like a day in the life mm-hmm. of a very Nguyen Vietnamese girl, very good girl who comes home and lives next to her parents with her grandchildren, with her parents' grandchildren running around. <laughs> you, I don't, <coughs> want, I don't want my parents to hear the show. <laughs> 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 Just don't
1: give them any ideas.
0: <laughs> they will have expectations.
1: Well, you know, I mean, it's it's moving back to New Orleans, though. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you can't. Once you move away, there's nothing like
0: home, so. This is true. I would say there's nothing like New Orleans. I would say there's plenty of places like Orange County. Mm -hmm. I have no strong drive to go back to Orange County. (laughs) (laughs) So there's no place like New Orleans. You're completely seduced. (laughs) (laughs) It's true, I am seduced by this (laughs) crazy place. Uh, Well, thank you, that's Vietnam for today. Thank you so much for joining us at home. At work, on your phone, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And a special thanks to today's guest, on Gotro. Our show is produced by Kim Vu and Grant Morris. Our technical director is Chris Kehoe. Our web guru is Dr. Cliff Brigden. Our theme song, Four Step DeMilo, was written by Taylor Smith and performed by the Swamp Lilies. The fabulous audio quality of this show is brought to you in part by Presonus Audio Electronics. Presonus makes some of the best audio recording and live sound products, including Studio One music production software, Studio Live digital mixing consoles, AERIS studio monitors, and much more. Visit www.presonus.com for more information. You can follow us at Twitter at It's New Orleans. You can like us on Facebook. We're at It's New Orleans. And you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. You can listen to our other Vietnola shows on our website at itsneworleans.com, as well as our other shows, Happy Hour, Out to Lunch, Mindset, True to the Game, and Midnight Menu Plus One. Keep up with all kinds of fun happenings here at Vietnola by getting on our mailing list. Sign up on our website, itsneworleans.com. Vietnola was recorded today at Fun Night Viet, 2005 Magazine Street in the Lower Garden District. If you'd like to be a guest on Vietnola, we'd love to have you. Drop us a line, you'll find all the info on our website. Vietnola is produced by INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. For, ki- for me, just me today, and on and everyone here at Vietnola, thanks for joining us. We look forward to seeing you back here around the table at Fun Noi Viet next week for our next episode of Vietnola. Until then, I'm Kim Vu. Bye.